1: I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your top five at five stocks closing in the green for the third straight day after the Fed hiked interest rates as expected. But it's really what Chairman Jay Powell said that has investors putting on those rally caps. And it's not just the Fed. Up next, a key policy decision from the Bank of England will head live to London in just a moment. There is an OPEC plus meeting today with ministers weighing Russia sanctions, China lockdowns and the global supply demand balance. Plus, earnings season still very much in full swing and another big company is offering a bullish outlook on the get out and travel trade and inspiring America. We'll bring you the story of one business leader using innovative practices to elevate employees, consumers, and create positive change. It's Thursday, May 5th, 2022, Cinco de Mayo, and you are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning and welcome to the show. I am Dominic Chu, for Brian Sullivan today, let's get right to those markets and that post-Fed meeting rally in the stock market. As expected, the central bank in America hiked its benchmark interest rate by 50 basis points, half of one percent, and announced it would begin reducing its balance sheet next month. It is the most aggressive step yet in the central bank's fight against inflation, which is hovering near 40 year highs. Markets expect the Fed to continue raising rates aggressively. But at his news conference, Chairman Jay Powell seemed to discount the odds of the Fed getting more hawkish. And that's what really push the stock market higher.
2: 75 basis point uh, an increase is not something the committee is actively considering. What we are doing is uh, we raised 50 basis points today. And, and we've said that, again, assuming that economic and financial conditions evolve in, in ways that are consistent with our expectations, there's a broad sense on the committee that additional 50 basis increases should be on 50 basis point increase should be on the table for the next couple
1: of meetings. All right. See on this chart here, where do you think those comments happened? Probably right around here, right? You can see the markets went up and off to the races right at that point and straight into the closing bell. By the way, the S&P had its best day in nearly two years, up three full percent. Futures this morning right now showing so some signs of a pullback. If you take a look right now, the Dow Jones Industrial Average would pull lower by just about 157 points at the opening bell. The S&P down about 29 points and 119, 120-point declines for the NASDAQ overall. But remember, big gains yesterday. Bond yields, always a key focus after a Fed rate hike. If you look at the benchmark 10-year Treasury note yield, right now just about 2.95%. That's interesting because it's not far from where it was before the big announcement yesterday. Meanwhile, two-year note yields similarly not that far from where they were yesterday before the Fed announcement. 2.68% for the two-year Treasury note yield there. Crypto prices did take a nice little rally yesterday as well. Bitcoin did briefly top $40,000. Bitcoin right now is down about three quarters of one percent. 39,490 the last trade there. Ethereum prices 29.26. That's just about down. 1% as well. Oil prices, okay, very much a focus here is you take a look at what's happening with this OPEC meeting. WTI crude U.S. benchmark crude prices $107.87 relatively flat on the day. World benchmark ice Brent crude futures up about one half of one third of one percent. One hundred and ten dollars and fifty cents right now. We'll have much more on today's big OPEC meeting in just a bit. First, though, let's head overseas and check on global stocks. Juliana Tattlebaum is standing by in our London newsroom with the latest there. But let's begin with Sherry Kang in Hong Kong with the Asian Action. Good, good evening, Sherry.
3: Uh, Good morning to you, Dom. And of course, we saw a bit of a rate relief rally in Asia as well. Most markets ending higher, but it was a thin trade with Japan and South Korea out of play for Children's Day, a public holiday. Chinese markets resuming trade after a three-day Labor Day holiday, and Shanghai Composite did push higher by 0.7%. The central bank in China promising monetary support once again, but not a lot of details this, this time around either. And they're saying. That they're going to support a recovery in consumption. This, as we got the private read of a services PMI showing the sh- second sharpest uh, contraction on record in the month of april 36.2 is the number that we got way below the boom and bust level of 50 and just a reminder services sector does account for 60 percent of the chinese economy and COVID concerns still very much of a concern in that country and of course numura for one says that they're not exactly seeing a quick a turnaround in services sector in the month of may either And we saw delisting risks coming back. It didn't really spook a lot of investors too much, but we did see over 80 firms, including JD.com, NetEase, Billy Billy being added to the U.S. SEC list facing delisting risk. And JD.com, one of them uh, reacting to all this, uh, saying that they are aware of this. And they're actively uh, exploring possible uh, solutions at this point in order to stay listed in both U.S. as well as Hong Kong. Mixed session for these companies. Judy.com, for one, pushing higher by 0.8 percent towards the close. Dom?
1: Sherry Kang, live in Hong Kong. Thank you very much for that update to the early trade now in European action. Juliana Tattlebaum is standing by in our London newsroom with the latest there. Good morning, Juliana.
4: Dom, good morning. Well, that mammoth rally on Wall Street seems to be lifting sentiment in Europe. Yesterday, we closed up shop before that key Fed decision, and we ended the day lower. Now, this morning, making up for lost ground. We've got green across the board. The FTSE 100 up about 1 percent. The DAX up 1.4. The CAC 40 over in France up 1.5 percent. We've also got a number of earnings in focus today in Europe, so a lot of bottom-up drivers as well as top-down. I'll give you a picture of some of the key movers that uh, stocks that are reacting to earnings earnings. Um, We've got uh, Airbus uh, up about 7 percent, so really strong performance there. This comes after Airbus said its increasing production of its narrow-body jet, the A320, by 50 percent. They also confirmed their guidance. Over in the oil and gas space, Shell shares are up more than 3 percent. Shell delivered a record profit for the quarter. They are taking a hit on their Russian exposure, but they raised their dividend and clearly are benefiting from higher energy prices. AB InBev shares also trading well this morning, up about 1.5 percent. That company beat expectations. And Dom, um, lastly, we just give you a picture of how sterling is trading this morning. You've got the Bank of England, as you mentioned, coming into focus and sterling in the lead up to that is trading about 0.6 percent lower versus the dollar 12546. The widespread expectation is that the Bank of England will raise interest rates today, but the key will be communication and just how dovish or hawkish that decision is. Dom, back right. over to you. Julian
1: Tattlebaum, live in London with the latest there. Thank you very much. Now to today's corporate headlines. Bertha Coombs is here with those. Good morning, Bertha.
5: Hey, good morning, Dom. Facebook parent Meta is slowing the pace of hiring. A person familiar with the company's plans tells CNBC meta will stop or slow hiring for most mid-level and senior level roles after already doing that for entry level engineering uh, in recent weeks. The moves come as revenue growth slows and the company deals with macro issues, including inflation concerns and global uncertainty. A Meta spokesperson tells CNBC the company regularly reevaluates its, quote, talent pipeline according to its business needs. And in light of the expense guidance given for this earnings period, it's slowing its growth accordingly. But it adds Facebook will continue to grow its workforce to ensure we focus on long term impact. Palm oil prices are pulling back from a record high. Among the reasons, analysts point to optimism that output from Malaysia will rebound and the possibility Indonesia will ease its export band. And Elon Musk is working on his financing plan for his Twitter buyout. The New York Post reporting that Tesla CEO may be close to raising $10 billion in cash from equity co-investors, mostly VC firms that have backed his other companies in the past. Musk is also reportedly turning to family offices that control large amounts of private money. Notably, um, it seems he's not going to banks.
1: All right. They're an interesting development there for, the, for sure with Twitter and Elon Musk. Bertha Coombs, thank you very much. We'll see you later on. When we come back on the show, if you're ready to get out and travel this summer, you're not alone. Shocker. That pent-up demand is giving a major lift to some well-known companies. We'll have those names coming up next. But first, as we head out to break, check out some of this morning's biggest pre-market S&P 500 winners and losers. Albemarle, booking holdings and Fortinet among the big gainers pre-market in the S&P so far. If you take a look at some of the losers right now, yeah, I mean, we're seeing some Etsy, eBay and Cognizant technology downside right now. Stay tuned. We've got a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns after this commercial break.
3: What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash find your rich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. People today can spend half their lives
6: over fifty. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Jenny! Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org/slash/moneytools. tools.
2: 75 basis point uh, an increase is not something the committee is actively considering. What we are doing is uh, we raised fifty basis points today. And and we've said that, again, assuming that economic and financial conditions evolve in, in ways that are consistent with our expectations, there's a broad sense on the committee that additional 50 basis increases should be on 50 basis point increases should be on the table for the next couple of meetings. All
1: right. That was Fed Chair Jay Powell yesterday afternoon. His comments sparking a rally in stocks to the tune of 900 plus points for the Dow and 400 plus points for the Nasdaq. Let's talk more about this with Paul Donovan, Chief Economist at UBS Global Wealth Management. Uh, Paul, thank you very much for joining us this morning. And anything in those comments yesterday that seemed that far out that would spark a 900-point rally? I understand that taking 75 basis points off the table is a big deal, but a 900-point rally is huge. Take us through what your thoughts were after hearing those comments.
7: Well, I mean, I think the the Fed chair... Did exactly what economists were expecting. Um, you know, the economists realized that there are risks to growth in the United States. They realized that inflation has peaked. And the Fed chair was reflecting that, I think, in a relatively measured set of comments and an outlining of an as-expected Um, passive quantitative policy tightening and the 50 basis point increase and nothing too alarmist. Uh, What we have, of course, is this age old problem that equity markets don't listen to economists and equity markets should listen to economists because if they'd listened to us, they wouldn't have had the sell off in advance and the the market would have taken this far more placidly. But what markets have had, of course, is just confirmation of of the economic central case coming through. And because markets had overreacted and worked themselves up into a frenzy beforehand, uh, we've had this reaction
1: subsequently. All right, Paul, I'm laughing because in many ways I, I kind of understand what you're saying about the volatility. Let's say I am willing to listen to economists like yourself. So take us through the reasons why you made that comment. Why is it that inflation has peaked what are you already seeing? And if it has peaked, what can we expect to see data-wise that would justify that in the coming months?
7: So essentially there are, there are three reasons why uh, inflation has peaked. The first is that prices are already coming down for certain products. Uh, either the inflation rate is lower or in actual case, in some cases the inflation rates turned negative, negative. And this is the areas where we were seeing the very strong inflation last year things like used cars or televisions, that were really being pushed up by this extraordinary demand. Well, that extraordinary demand isn't there anymore. The, the stockpile of savings has been spent. The consumer has been normalizing. They've been switching back to spending on services. And as the demand has moderated, the price increases have moderated. And we've already seen that. And this was always why inflation was transitory. Second reason is base effects. to remember that in March, we in the United States were comparing prices in a normal economy in March 2021, uh, 2022, with prices in a lockdown economy, in March 2021. Of course, there's gonna be a big change if you're comparing lockdown to normal. But as we go through the next couple of months, we're gonna start comparing a normal economy in 2022 with a reopening economy in 21, and then a normal economy in 22 with a normal economy in 21. And that means that the change in prices is gonna come down. And finally, although we're gonna get a sticker shock on the labor cost numbers later today, which is just a statistical quirk, we're not actually seeing you know, a a wage cost price spiral emerging. There's just no evidence of this. And all of this is suggesting that the moderation of inflation is coming through. And what we're going to be looking for is in the detail of the data, continuing to see either disinflation or in some cases outright deflation of product prices as demand moderates. And of course, looking for the base effects that year-on-year comparison. Those are going to be the two immediate signals of the peak And then later on this year, it's going to be ongoing uh, moderation of productivity adjusted
1: wage costs. All right. Literally millions of people hope you're right, Paul. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. Now to China, where covid lockdowns and restrictions are still in place and numerous global companies to are now about to warn about the impact on their businesses. Eunice Yoon joins us live, joins us live from Beijing with the latest here. Uh, Good evening now, Eunice.
8: Thanks so much, Dom. Well, there is good reason for a lot of these companies to be warning about the potential impact of the lockdowns uh, here in Beijing. The uh, whole city, as well as the whole country, has returned to work after a week long Labor Day holiday. But you really wouldn't notice the streets are quite subdued. In fact, uh, Beijing has extended its uh, restrictions that it imposed over the public holiday. And if we want to, say, for example, go into any place indoors, we still have to present a 48-hour negative COVID test. Also, mass rounds of uh, testing have been added here in the capital. Uh, Now, in terms of the five-day holiday, this is a big shopping and travel time, as you well know. But the numbers that came out really haven't been very great. Uh, From the government, tourist spending is down 43% for this period, rail trips down 80%, box office sales during this period down 81%. And that's not only a problem just for the spending period of the Labor Day holiday, but also we're seeing... Uh, not very encouraging numbers uh, for the month in the services sector, the Caixin Services PMI, which is one that really gauges more private business and smaller business, came in at 36.2. This was significant because it's a contraction, the second steepest that's been on record, only, uh, sti- um, only a little bit better than at the height of the pandemic in February of 2020. A lot of that due to the tighter COVID curbs. Now, some of these companies such as Starbucks, such as Apple, have been warning about the impact on the supply chain as well as consumer demand because of these COVID curbs. The EU Chamber of Commerce uh, here in China uh, just moments ago also said that this is going to weigh heavily and already weighs heavily on the mind of their members, 25% say that they are considering shifting investment out of China, 77% say that the Chinese market is looking less attractive as an investment destination, and 95% believe the zero COVID policy needs to change. Now, we are not seeing any sign that, the cha- that that policy is going to change at all. State media, though, have been reiterating some of the points of the Chinese leadership, saying that uh, China is ready to support investment exports as well as technology platforms. Still no details on what that is, though. And that's really what a lot of the people in the business community, as well as investors here, want to see is actions rather than pledges. Guys,
1: and it's not just those U.S. multinationals and a lot of Chinese companies and big ones that, that are cutting their forecasts as well, given those COVID policies. Eunice and live in Beijing. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Now time for your big money movers Four stock stories of the morning. First up, you've got shares of eBay. First quarter adjusted profits did beat forecast, but gross merchandise volume, a key indicator in the entire e-commerce industry, slumped by 20%. And the number of active buyers also fell. eBay giving a gloomy sales forecast for the second quarter. The chief financial officer saying businesses took a hit from the war in Ukraine, which has weighed on traffic in big markets like Germany and the U.K. You can see those eBay shares down 7% pre-market. Stock number two is Etsy. First quarter results beating estimates, but second quarter guidance for revenues and gross merchandise sales is below analyst forecasts. Etsy says it didn't see a material impact on sales from the week-long strike by sellers who are protesting a 30% increase in transaction fees. But Etsy shares on balance down 10.5% pre-market. And stock number three, booking holdings. First quarter results topping forecasts as bookings rose nearly twofold. And room nights, which measures occupancy at any property, more than doubled The owner of sites like Booking.com, Kayak, and Priceline says global travel trends point to a busy summer season. Shocking, especially in places like Europe. Those shares up 10.5% right now. And number four, another travel winner, TripAdvisor. Those shares are popping after the company reported better than expected revenues, offered upbeat revenue guidance, and named a new CEO. So Travel and Leisure TripAdvisor, by the way, up 6% right now. Travel and leisure remains a very hot yet volatile part of this post-pandemic recovery trade. Still on deck for the show, exclusive new findings, all small business sentiment all over the place, from inflation to recession risks, all those details and the data when we come back after this.
6: Today's big number,
9: three billion dollars. That's how much revenue online and retail sports betting could generate annually in California for gambling operators. According to research firm Eilers and CrayCheck Gaming, a measure to legalize online sports gambling qualified to be on California's November ballot.
6: People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older. Like a family vacation. Cannonball! Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at AARP.org slash money tools.
0: This podcast is supported by FedEx, dear small and medium businesses.
1: Good morning and welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. If you are just waking up or heading into work, let's get you up to speed on the market action right now. Futures are pointing to a lower open and we are starting to move a little bit more accelerated to the downside here. Right now, the Dow is implied lower by 180 points, the S&P lower by 30, and then the NASDAQ by 106. But remember the context. We had a 900-plus point gain in the Dow yesterday and a 400-plus point gain for the NASDAQ. So yes, a bit of a pullback Maybe not surprising given the massive action we saw to the upside yesterday. A new read, by the way, now on what we've long called the engine of economic growth in this country. And that is small business. A CNBC survey monkey poll finds eight in 10 owners are expecting a recession to occur this year. Very few owners see any bright spots in the current economic climate. The survey finds just 6% say the current state is excellent. 31% rated as fair. And 44% say it's poor. Perhaps no surprise, inflation is a key issue for nearly 4 in 10 small business owners. That's double the amount who say the supply chain disruptions are the biggest concern. Kate Rogers, by the way, will have much more on the survey findings throughout the course of the morning right here on CNBC. And then, by the way, join us at 12 p.m. noontime, Eastern Time for CNBC's Small Business Playbook. You'll hear from business leaders and experts on a variety of topics affecting small business owners in America, from navigating inflation and labor shortages to new ways to secure funding. Go to CNBCEvents.com to sign up. It should be a great program today at noon Eastern time. We've got much more on the show coming up, though, that Fed-induced rally and what could happen today, plus why investors need to pay attention to OPEC as well. And if you haven't already done so, please follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple or Spotify or other podcast apps. Worldwide Exchange in audio format. We'll be back after this. Stocks fighting to extend a Fed-fueled rally. We'll talk about what Jay Powell said that has many thinking twice about their investment decisions today. Energy prices in focus, there's an OPEC plus meeting today with ministers weighing Russia sanctions, China lockdowns, and of course the global supply demand balance, plus inspiring America will bring you the story of one business leader using innovative practices to elevate employees, consumers, and create change. It's Thursday, May 5th, 2022. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to the show. I am Dominic Chewin for Brian Sullivan today here on Worldwide Exchange. Let's get right to the markets and that post-Fed meeting rally in the stock market. Now, as expected, the central bank hiked its benchmark interest rate by 50 basis points or one half of one percent. It also announced it would begin reducing its balance sheet size starting next month. This is its most aggressive step yet in the central bank's fight against inflation, which is, by the way, remember, at 40-year highs. Markets, markets expect the Fed to continue raising rates aggressively. But at his news conference yesterday, Chairman Jay Powell seemed to discount the odds of the Fed getting even more aggressive. And that's what really pushed the stock market higher.
2: Uh, an increase is not something the committee is actively considering. What we are doing is, uh, we raised 50 basis points today and, and we've said that, again, assuming that economic and financial conditions evolve in, in ways that are consistent with our expectations, there's a broad sense on the committee that additional 50 basis increases should be on, 50 basis point increases should be on the table for the next couple of meetings.
1: All right. So the S&P 500 had its best day in nearly two years. You can see they're up by about three percent. And right when those comments about taking 75 basis points off the table came out was right about here. And you can see it was off to the races into the closing bell. So you could almost time it almost exactly by when Jay Powell made those comments to when the markets turned around really and started to rally. The, the Dow, by the way, closed up more than 900 points. So 3% rise there, and then you can see the Dow Industrial is up about nearly 3% as well. To this morning's futures trade, you can kind of see a bit of a pullback. The Dow is implied lower by roughly 160 points right now. The S&P by about 30 points to the downside, and the Nasdaq lower by about 110 points as well. On the yield picture, interestingly enough, we're not that far off from where we were before the Fed announcement yesterday when it comes to benchmark Ten-year Treasury note yields still below three, just about 2.95%. The two-year Treasury note yield just a hair above 2.68%, the last trade there. And we'll give a lot to the 30-year long bond, 3.035%, the last trade for those particular notes and bond yields as well. Crypto prices also on the move. Yesterday, we did get above 40000 at one point briefly. Bitcoin prices now 39432 the last trade, down by about 1%. Ethereum prices down by about one and a quarter percent, 29.17, the last trade there. Now, take a look at some of the key parts of the market that did get a bit of a boost in yesterday's trade on what happened, given the Fed announcement of taking 75 basis points off the table, at least for the time being. Meta platforms, Apple, Amazon, you can see right now in the trade today, down anywhere from a third to about one and a third percent. The reason why it's important is many of these large cap stocks rallied aggressively Yesterday, remember, Apple, Microsoft and Google, the three biggest stocks in the Nasdaq and the S&P, all rallied by three to four percent in yesterday's trading. Netflix right now, Alphabet, you can see those shares all pulling back a bit. Many of these growth names. Getting a little bit of help yesterday after a lot of downside volatility as of late. Also watch what's happening with the small cap stocks overall because they started to get a little bit of life as well. And right now that iShares Russell 2000 ETF is down about two thirds of one percent in the pre-market trade. We did get a little bit of a bounce as of late, but still hovering near the lows for the year. As you can see there, the economic narrative is very key for many of these smaller companies that are publicly traded here in the U.S. To the energy markets and oil right now. Take a look at what's happening there because benchmark US crude prices are just about unchanged on the day, $107.82. Ice Brent crude futures, the world benchmark gauge, $110.42. That's up roughly one quarter of 1%. Arbob gasoline prices, you can see they're just down fractionally, about one tenth of 1%, the last trade there. Uh, This is after a big more than 5% pop for prices yesterday on news. The European Union is looking to ban all Russian oil imports over the course of the next six months. Today, investors will be watching OPEC and its partner countries, which meet virtually to decide their latest output targets. But many are not expecting the cartel to provide any relief for surging energy prices, including diesel, by the way, which is trading at fresh all time highs this morning. Joining me now is, again, Capital founding partner and CNBC contributor John Kilduff. Uh, John, the markets were maybe a little bit shocked at some of the Fed comments. But now we take those comments and put them in context with some of the OPEC dialogue that's happening. Is the path of least resistance higher or lower for crude right now?
10: It seems to be higher, unfortunately, Dom. I wish for consumers I had better news. Uh, Crunch time is here. Uh, We have record low inventories of diesel fuel along the East Coast. Uh, Folks here in northern New Jersey, I can tell you, are waking up to $6 a gallon plus diesel fuel prices at the retail level. It's just remarkable to see those kinds of numbers here. Uh, And as you mentioned, uh, OPEC is sticking to their plan of steady as she goes, about 400,000 barrels plus per day of additional output that most of the members can't even contribute to because they're struggling with their quota levels already. Matter of fact, OPEC has been well below the stated quota uh, uh, of output that uh, they've put out to the world. And the Saudis are continuing to just sit on their hands and not uh, step in with some extra supply for this market that's desperately needed.
1: So if that's the case, John, is there anything that can be done right now for the U.S. consumer or, or consumers anywhere, given, given the, the, the prices that you're talking about right now? It seems as though the government is trying to do everything it can from a policy perspective. Is there any expectation that consumers can really find relief at the pump anytime soon, especially because we're going into that all-important and busy, by the way, summer driving season?
10: Yeah, I was just about to mention Memorial Day only weeks away now, in a way, thankfully. Look, Dom, no, there's nothing that can be done. This is a consequence of, of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, we have had no choice, I think, from a moral perspective to cut off Russia as much as possible. And that unfortunately includes the uh, dear amount of supply that Russia puts onto the market, uh, not only just crude oil, but also these sort of feedstock fuels that then get made into or brushed up into diesel fuel and jet fuel here in the United States, for that matter, too. So we're all feeling this, and it's because of the embargoing, increased embargoing, and the expected now embargoing over the course of the next six months from Europe. That was the big decision yesterday. That was the big sort of final news of the the shoe finally dropping, Dom, that's going to foreclose anywhere from four million barrels of crude oil from Russia and add in those products I was speaking about, you're talking about numbers of 7 million barrels a day. Uh, there's just no spare capacity to fill that gap.
1: John, if, if I might turn from the, the commodity side of things to the equity side of things, I know, I know you're keeping a close eye on many of these producers out there as well. What would have to happen in this country for many of these producers that are domestic U.S.-based, shale or otherwise, to really ramp up production, versus, say, engaging more in capital return programs like dividend payments and share buybacks to their shareholders. What gets a shale company in America to actually go and turn on the spigots, so to speak, again?
10: Yeah, I mean, to really lean into this thing, sustainability, Dom, is, is how I would put it. Right now, if you look at the futures curve for crude oil prices, it, it, it falls off uh, pretty significantly. And again, this is a an industry that was chagrined by the pandemic when oil prices went negative. So they need a little bit more surety, they need a little more uh, footing. If prices continue to rise, however, and the back of that curve itself gets uh, really high priced as well, say $75, 85 90 $100 a barrel, you will see them uh, finally break out and, and move heaven and earth to lock in uh, what will be spectacular gains. I mean, they are in the process of trying to do it. Some of the measures that we see in terms of rig counts and drilled but uncompleted wells and some of that technical jargon is evidencing uh, a movement to put more oil on the market. There could be as much as a million more barrels on the market just by the end of this year, and that will add to the million that we've put Put on to the market from the United States over the course of the past year. So uh, they're working at it. It just does take some time.
1: We'll have to save that backwardation versus contango discussion for another time. John Killed up. thank you very much. We appreciate it. <laughs>
10: a little have, early for that, Don. A little yes. early
1: today. We need, <laughs> we need some more coffee for that. Thank you very much, John. Have a good day, sir. Now to this morning's right. other top headlines. Bertha Coombs is back with those. Bertha.
5: Hey, good morning, Dom. Verizon is considering raising prices for its wireless service. Bloomberg reporting this is just one of several options to pass along higher costs to consumers. It follows AT&T's decision this week to hike rates on older plans by six bucks or more. Verizon may decide to introduce a higher priced unlimited plan or add new fees. TikTok plans to start sharing a cut of revenue with creators when their videos run alongside certain ads. The program is similar to how YouTube pays creators. More Americans than ever say now is not a good time to buy a home. As mortgage rates rise and home prices surge, only 30% of adults surveyed in a Gallup poll say now is a good time to buy, the first time that number has ever been below 50 percent with that rate shock if you've been shopping for mortgages it's not easy or not hard to see why people are not wanting to do that
1: thank goodness i thank goodness i'm locked in bertha coombs thank you very much for that coming up on the show famed chef and le bernardin co-owner eric repair on how business leaders can inspire america But first, as we head out to break, check out this morning's biggest Dow winners and Dow losers. You can see right there, Chevron, Travelers, Walmart, all relatively steady right now in the pre-market trade, given maybe more pronounced downside today. Check out the losers, Cisco Systems, Apple and Microsoft among those. Remember, many of these tech stocks gained big yesterday. Stay tuned. You are watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your big money movers. Three stock stories of the morning. Stock number one is Twilio. Shares have been all over the place in extended action, down as much as 18 percent and up as much as 9 percent. Right now, they're up one half of 1 percent. That's after the maker of custom customer engagement technology reported first quarter results that topped forecasts. But the company offered second quarter revenue guidance that was at the low end of the estimate range. Stock number two is Fisker, the electric vehicle maker, reporting a slightly wider first quarter loss. But it says it's making progress in getting its first car, the Fisker Ocean, to market. The Ocean is on schedule to begin production in November. Fisker shares down about one third of one percent in the pre-market trade. And stock number three is Shell, the oil giant, reporting its highest quarterly profit since 2008. Thanks, no part to Soaring energy prices, the company also plans to boost its dividend by 4%. Shell says it's booked a $3.9 billion charge due to its exit from its Russia operations. Well, over the past two weeks, all networks across NBC News have been marking our second annual Inspiring America event. Here at CNBC, we've been talking with business leaders who inspire with innovative practices that elevate their employees, their consumers and the world at large. Joining us now is Eric repair, chef and co-owner of Le Bernardin in New York City, a friend of the show. He's also a vice chairman of the City of Harvest, which helps to feed hungry New Yorkers. Eric, thank you very much for joining us again. Take us through the story. What exactly have you been doing and, and what has prompted you to kind of take this stance on trying to do so much good for some of the underprivileged right here in the New York metro area?
11: Well, with Le Bernardin, we are doing a lot of uh, programs to help fight hunger in New York City. Uh, I am the vice chair of uh, CTR Vest, which is a food rescue organization. So basically CTR Vest um, get food that will go to waste, that is perfectly fine, and uh, distribute it to people in need in New York, in the five boroughs. Um, Going to food pantries, shelters, and also creating mobile markets in uh, five boroughs again. So, we we are definitely helping uh, City Harvest on a daily basis by giving some of our food that hasn't been uh, touched. We also uh, raise attention to City Harvest and uh, raise money for them. It was a gala last uh, week where we raised five million, more than $5 million, and uh, that will allow. City Harvest to distribute 50 million meals to New Yorkers in need. That's a big, it's very big for for the organization.
1: So, so Eric, can you take us through the, uh, the, the, the bigger picture backdrop for some of the needs that you've been trying to fill? Uh, from the City Harvest perspective, are, are you seeing a rise in the access to places like food banks and, and food assistance programs? Do you feel as though the economic condition that we have right now uh, post-COVID, has seen a trend higher towards food bank usage or, or, or food assistance usage?
11: City Harvest at uh, any time feeds 1.5 million people in New York City that live under poverty level. And uh, this is a number that come from City Hall. Uh, poverty level is defined by having a salary under $30,000 and having a family to feed. Which is enormous, and uh, we know that one child out of five in New York City doesn't know when he's going to get his meal when the school is closed. So this is something that we we obviously have to um, uh, work with, and we have to make a difference. We cannot accept having in the capital of the world, financial capital of the world, uh, 1.5 million people living uh, in those conditions. So we are definitely uh, very aggressive and. Because of the, uh, the COVID crisis, we have a lot of people uh, that are uh, adding to that, to that population. And uh, inflation is a big deal. We have a lot of people who cannot put food on the table that have jobs and salaries. And, uh, but it's too, it's too much. Uh, the, the, the price of the food and, and all the inflation together uh, is very challenging for those people.
1: All right. Chef Eric Repair with a great story there. Thank you very much. Eric Repair of Le Bernardin and City Harvest. Thank you very much. And by the way, our annual event will conclude with Inspiring America, the 2022 inspiration list. You can see it right here on CNBC on Saturday, May 7th at 9 and 11 p.m. Eastern time. A fantastic event on Inspiring America. Coming up on the show, the stocks you might want to buy or sell following yesterday's comments from Fed Chair Jay Powell. Stay tuned. We are back after this. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Let's get back to the markets right now after yesterday's late-day rally that saw the Dow and the S&P post their biggest single-day gains since 2020 after Federal Reserve's first 50 basis point rate hike in 20 years. Futures right now pointing to fractional losses after big gains yesterday. The Dow was implied lower by 150 points, the S&P lower by 27, and the Nasdaq down by about 110 points. But remember... 400-point gains for the NASDAQ yesterday and 900-plus-point gains for the Dow. Joining me now is Gilman Hill Asset Management CEO and CNBC contributor Jenny Harrington. It's always great to get your thoughts this early in the morning, Jenny. So you've had some time to digest what happened yesterday. Do you feel as though the green light is there for investors? We're still, no that, that far off the lows of the year right now in the markets.
9: I always think the green light's there for investors, and I always think that now is a great time to be buying if you have cash. So here's something that um, my younger brother said to me once. I was trying to get him to invest some money, and I was worried that, um, that the market was at a high point. And I said to him, Ben, you know, if you put the money in now and it goes down, I'm worried that it's going to upset you. And he said, ah, Jenny, have you heard this? Once when an older person was, when an elder was asked, when's the best time to plant a tree? The answer was 20 years ago. And then they said, OK, so when's the second best time? And the best time is today. So I think that it's, it's a great time to be buying today. But but I don't think that means that we're in the clear. I don't think it means that we have an easy road ahead for us for the rest of this year. This year is tough, right? We've got hard things like tightening, balance sheet runoff, inflation. Supply chain issues, serious problems um, in Europe. It's really sad what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. And, and we don't know how the, the geopolitical fallout of that is all going to play out. On the other side, we have um, really strong consumers with tons of cash on their, on, in their um, bank accounts. We have corporate earnings that are coming in great. By the way, 77% of the companies that are reported so far have beat earnings by 6.5%. We have a really decent economy. So I think this year continues to be a cage match of the forces of, like, bullishness and bearishness. And I don't know how those play out. But I do think if you have money, you can find areas to put it to work right now and just set it, forget it, sit back, you know, and be patient and let it play out over the long run.
1: So, so Jenny, what we've been showing viewers out there and listeners on SiriusXM, what we've been showing is, is charts Over the year of things Mm -hmm. like the NASDAQ composite, the Dow Jones, the S&P 500, we're still about 20 percent off the record highs for the composite index. Technology and media is a big part of that particular trade there. Is that where you'd be putting money in places that are the worst off right now, the ones who have seen the biggest slides?
9: No, not necessarily. I think you need to be really careful about pinning something and saying, well, just because this used to trade at 60 times earnings and now it trades at 30, it should ever be back to 60. So I think you need to kind of look at each investment as a standalone. And it's interesting because when I look at in our portfolios, our dividend income portfolio and our discipline growth portfolio, and I tried to cherry pick some names for you today, Dom. And when I look at where I'd put money, they're very disparate. Right. So I'd be comfortable with Devon Energy, Dow. National Retail Properties, um, Thermo Fisher, Carrier, and United Rentals. Those are very different companies. Some of them are down, for example, um, for Carrier is down 27% year-to-date. I'd be comfortable with that. I'd also be comfortable with Devon, which is up 60% year-to-date. So it's really not about buying only things that have come down. It's about looking at individual companies on their own merits and saying, my starting point is today, what does this company have ahead of it? What are their earnings? What's their valuation? What's their outlook? It's hard work. Last year, or rather, for the last five years, you could just jump in because the rising tide was rising all ships. That's not the case. It's company by company. It's, it's hard work. I feel like this is going to be a grind. I think it's been a grind for about a year now. I think the grind is going to continue. And it's really boring, hard work of reading annual reports and listening to meetings and um and talking to the companies and figuring out what the outlooks really are. But you, you can't paint with a broad brush this year.
1: All right. So, so, Jenny, I mean, you, you mentioned the, all those names there. I wonder it, this is a mm-hmm. cliche, right? We, we often talk about this notion of a stock pickers market. You are a stock picker. Yeah. You, you mentioned those names. Is there a commonality that you're looking for? Is there one factor in particular or maybe two that, that, that really sets you off as saying that this is going to be the company I want to invest in?
9: I think this is a hard one because there is a commonality, but basically it's this. It's, is the valuation rational, and are the expectations achievable? And so I think when you look at some of the stocks that are down a ton, um, like a DocuSign or like a Peloton or like a Zoom or like a PayPal, I'm not sure that the expectations going forward for those are achievable. Sure. People still have really inflated expectations. Whereas, here's one that I didn't throw out before, but Marriott, for example. Marriott's trading at 24 times earnings. Gotcha. But analysts are clearly underestimating the speed of recovery of their earnings. So even though it's not below a market multiple, the earnings growth is totally achievable. Right. And that's what I want. We need to be able to beat things.
1: All right. Jenny Harrington with the stock list. Thank you very much. Have a good day. We'll see you soon. That does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box picks up the market coverage coming up next. Keep it right here. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays
0: at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you.